The vicious voices of the right are out in full force, and it's time for us to get up and organize against the heartless attacks on our civil rights. Start your morning diving into the headlines and issues that matter to our everyday lives, speaking with changemakers and hearing from you, our listeners. Hear your host, Zerlina Maxwell, break down the top news, push for solutions from officials who represent us, and call out the misinformation and hypocrisy that surrounds us, plus the engaging stories that keep you energized. Get your morning boost of politics, culture, and everything you need to start your day. It's always darkest before the dawn, but the dawn is here. Shining a light on the ruthless forces across the aisle and rising for a brighter future for all of us. This is Mornings with Zerlina. Welcome to Mornings with Zerlina. I'm Zerlina Maxwell. Joining us on the phone is Herbie Ziskind. He's a senior communications advisor to the vice president, Kamala Harris. Thank you so much for being here this morning. Good morning, Zerlina. Good morning. It's so great to have you back on the show and so much to talk about. So first question. How did you guys do this? How were you able to accomplish um, getting the Inflation Reduction Act actually passed through the Senate? Um, obviously, Build Back Better, it seemed all but dead. Um, so when you look at the success and the ability to get this accomplished, um, what do you point to? How did you do it? Zerlina, I point to the president and the vice president's vision that they laid out at the beginning of this administration to tackle the challenges that we face today the pandemic, the economic collapse, and to build a strong and prosperous country for tomorrow, where everyone has the opportunity to realize the American dream. That's the vision that the president laid out, and they've, we've executed on it. And, you know, I would argue that the first 18 months of this administration have been among the most effective and productive 18 months of any administration, certainly in generations. Just look at, at the series of things that have been put in place. The legislation, the Inflation Reduction Act, that's on the verge of, of being sent to the president's desk. It passed the Senate. The House is going to take it up later this week. It makes the largest investment ever to address climate change. Over $370 billion to, to invest in solar, wind, electric vehicles, combating pollution. It en- enables Medicare to negotiate prescription drugs and, and cap insulin for seniors at $35 a month. This has been a goal for decades, and the president got it done. It lowers the cost of healthcare premiums for millions of Americans buying their healthcare through the exchanges. And it's paid for and then some. It lowers the deficit by making sure corporations pay their fair share. And, you know, that's that's just the tip of the iceberg in terms of what this president working with Congress, working with the vice president has gotten done. In the first year, of course, we cut child poverty through the American Rescue Plan by 40%, rescued small businesses, We've seen historic job growth, uh, more than 9 million jobs. We've we've returned to pre-pandemic job levels and then some. And sorry for taking up a long answer, but there's a lot here. You know, the the president got infrastructure done, historic investments in roads and bridges and removing lead pipes, uh, investing in affordable, accessible high-speed internet so kids aren't doing their homework in in a parking lot outside of McDonald's. And that's, Zerlina, in addition to restoring U.S. leadership on the world stage, uh, strengthening NATO. The president's going to assign the accession today for Finland and Sweden to join NATO, strengthening it, bolstering it in the face of Russian aggression. Bipartisan gun legislation. Uh, Justice Katanji Brown-Jackson making history on the Supreme Court, removing the leader of al-Qaeda. It's a lot, and it's a credit to the president and the vice president for having the vision to get all of this done. 
It, it is a lot, but I think that it's important um, for, for you to have the space to lay that all out because um, I think obviously the, the way politics is these days, it's easy to forget the, even the American Rescue Plan or the infrastructure bill um, because there's so much going on all at the same time. Um, you mentioned the $370 billion um, and the investment into tackling the climate crisis. And I can't think of a better time for there to be an investment in tackling the climate crisis um, because of even just the president's recent trip to Kentucky and visiting people who have been victims of horrible flooding there. But I was also looking at images of Seoul, Korea yesterday, um, uh, concerned about just a major city. I mean, it's basically like, you know, Hurricane Sandy, um, you know, a major city just being completely flooded, um, subway stations, the middle of major streets, um, it feels like the climate crisis is not something in the future. It is now. What would what investments um, will the three hundred and seventy billion dollars go towards? You mentioned some of them, but lay it all out for us in terms of the benefits um, in the IRA that go specifically towards the climate crisis. Sure, and Zerlina, you're absolutely right. The climate crisis is not this future abstract thing that we may confront. We're seeing it every day. We see it in the images of Lake Mead dropping to dangerously low levels. We see it in the devastation that we just uh, saw in Kentucky and in images of extreme weather here in the US and around the world. And so the president working with Congress acted. This is, as I said, the most aggressive action in history uh, on climate. So what does it do? It, crea it, it creates incentives to uh, usher in jobs manufacturing solar, wind, electric vehicle production here in the U.S. with American workers. So it's creating jobs to build capacity uh, in clean energy. It also lowers families' energy costs by hundreds of dollars every year. Uh, for instance, it provides incentives to buy energy-efficient appliances, rooftop solar, uh, electric HVAC, water heaters, roof, uh, heat pumps, these are the things that, that families have to contend with every year uh, in terms of high energy costs. This will lower energy costs and it will uh, reduce our carbon footprint. It, it's a big deal. It, include, it includes a $4,000 consumer tax uh, credit for use in uh, uh, electric vehicles, $7,500 tax credit for new electric vehicles, a billion dollars to make affordable housing more energy efficient for people across the country. So taking together nearly 400 billion, by far and away the largest climate investment in history. Uh, and it, it, you know, the president, to his credit, had a plan for this in 2019. He had an even bolder plan for this in 2020. And he has continued to emphasize the need to take action on climate. And that's what he did through the Inflation Reduction Act. Really, really important. Um, the other aspects of this, um, you mentioned prescription drug costs. I mean, this is something that Democrats have been trying to do for 30 years. Can you talk a bit about what it means for Medicare to be able to negotiate prescription drug costs, um, but also the other aspects of the IRA that um, are related to Obamacare? Um, because there there's so many different fixes that were necessary um, to Obamacare. And I think that most of the, the fixes that are, are in this are way undercovered. So help us understand which uh, what benefits in the IRA um, are included as it relates to health care and cost of health care. Sure. So 
Sure. So there's really millions of Americans get their access, their health care through what we call the exchanges. And those are the Obamacare marketplace exchanges where people go in the 50 states uh, if they don't have insurance through their employer or they don't have insurance through Medicare or another program. And they 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 access their insurance through these exchanges. And, you know, you don't this is the definition of health care and health insurance in the United States. If you are under the age of 65, depending on your income level, you don't know when you're not going to have employer provided health care. And so Obamacare obviously was a significant leap forward in providing affordable uh, care to people across the country. What this legislation does, what the Inflation Reduction Act does, is it saves 13 million people today, and it could be more tomorrow, um, covered under the ACA, $800 per year on their health insurance premiums, which effectively means that it broadens the pool of people that benefit for um, subsidized insurance premiums. It just lowers the cost. So Eight hundred dollars uh, per year for millions of Americans who uh, get their insurance through the Affordable Care Act, and then the legislation also, um, by allowing uh, Medicare to negotiate for prescription drugs, will bring down the cost of prescription drugs, which is a major stress point for our seniors across the country. I mentioned this earlier; caps the uh, amount that seniors will have to pay for insulin to at thirty-five dollars a month, and. It, ca- it caps out-of-pocket spending for our seniors for two at $2,000 per year. So there's a cap. You can't go above it. So this is a big deal when it comes to lowering costs for, for our seniors, for people that rely on life-saving medication. It's been a long time, a long time coming. It's been a long-term goal. And uh, we're really excited that this is a part of the legislation that hopefully will be signed until – that hopefully will pass the House and head to the president's desk by the end of the week. It's so, so important. So I want to turn to the topic of abortion because last week was a little bit of a surprise shocker moment in Kansas um, when the referendum that was put on the ballot, um, the people in Kansas said, we want abortion <laughs> rights uh, to continue in the state of Kansas. It, I think it's um, an important um lesson in how gerrymandering works because when you have a majority vote referendum um the the data is borne out to be accurate that a majority of the american people support choice um and i don't think that's reflected in the state legislatures or in congressional representation really what people actually believe on certain issues but the vice president has been outspoken i mean going back to the campaign um even on reproductive choice reproductive rights issues and yesterday she met with college presidents and she's been meeting with many stakeholders as it relates to um, the ongoing struggle to continue to allow people who can get pregnant to have access to the full slate of reproductive health care can you give us some in um give us some insights into how the vice president is approaching sort of the the fight in the short term and then over the long term and you know, what happened in the meeting yesterday? You know, why why did she choose to meet with um, young people in this particular moment? It feels um, a lot like young people are activated because of the Dobbs decision um, and are angry because they didn't know what, a, you know, a world without Roe was like. And now we're living in one. So um question is basically what happened in the meeting <laughs> and, and why does the vice president focus um, so often on this particular issue um, in the short and long term? Sure. So yesterday, the vice president met with college and university presidents and chancellors here at the White House, along with Secretary of Education Miguel Cardona. 
And she met with them because it's, we're, we're now at August 9th and people are heading back to school, to colleges and to universities, campuses across the country in the coming weeks. And this is going to be a, you know, the, 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 our, our post Dobbs world that we're in now, it's going to really matter on college campuses. Mm-hmm. You know, the average age of a college student, I, and I checking on this, I believe it's actually around 26. Mm. And so uh, when it comes to reproductive health care, when it comes to the, 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 the choices, the challenges facing women, this is going to be acute on, on college campuses. We know that uh, there's a disproportionate rate of sexual violence against women on college campuses. Mm-hmm. And so access to reproductive care is even more critical. Um, and so the, the patchwork of laws that, that are now in place. So if, this, if a woman is going to college in one state, traveling to, a, traveling to that college from another state, there's a whole set of, of new laws, of, of new of confusion around this. And so what the vice president did yesterday, she brought together leaders from these universities to talk about what the administration is doing, to talk about what they can do to uh, make sure that they, within you know, their power, they can protect reproductive care on their campuses. And this is in addition to her leadership on this issue, which goes back to her time as an attorney general, as a senator, and certainly here in the White House as vice president. Since the Dobbs decision has come down, the vice president has met with state legislators at the White House from Montana, Nebraska, South Dakota, Florida, Indiana, and she's hit the road. We've, we've basically been on a campaign fighting for reproductive health care that the vice president has been uh, leading out in the country. She's been to Orlando, Philadelphia, Atlantic City, Charlotte, Richmond, Indianapolis. We were in Boston last week. And this is all about bringing together state legislators, bringing together local leaders on the ground to build a coalition uh, to fight back against the Supreme Court's decision. The vice president in these meetings with state legislators shares best practices from other states, shares uh, messaging that really works, um, and hears from them and provides resources to them as they work with their constituents who are, who are contending with the Dobbs decision. And, you know, I will tell you, when you listen to the way the vice president talks about this issue as an mm-hmm. issue of freedom and liberty, as not a partisan issue, as an issue that you don't have to abandon your faith to agree that government should not interfere in personal decisions. It's what we saw in Kansas. You know, Kansas, it wasn't a majority in Kansas. It was a super majority in Kansas, mm-hmm. about 60%. And that's a Republican state. That's a state that President Trump overwhelmingly carried. And, you know, we saw Nebraska yesterday. They're not going to, uh, at least right now, have a special session on this. And there's no question that Kansas is part of that. But this is what we're seeing across the country. This is what the vice president has been saying across the country, that when you punish women, by passing laws that don't have an exception for rape or incest, it is going to, you know, get people to to really, really think this this is not uh, an issue where I'm going to sit on the sidelines. And, you know, we're going to do all we can, and the president's done everything that we can, and we're going to continue at the executive level to take action. He's he signed multiple executive orders that that affect access to abortion, contraception, emergency care, safety for for, for providers, for patients, for clinics. Uh, they, they protect these executive orders, protect patient privacy mm-hmm. and uh, go after disinformation. They make it so that, you know, women can uh, tr- uh, take part in interstate travel, which they have a, r- a constitutional right to, to seek care in other states. We're taking action at the executive level. Congress needs to restore Roe to uh, bring back the protections that we had pre-Dobbs. And so we'll continue to, to push for that at the same time as taking action here at the executive level. It's it's so fascinating um, to see 
the first woman in the role of vice president at a moment where bodily autonomy has been stripped away by the Supreme Court um, from people who can get pregnant. Um, and it's it's also fascinating to see how she sounds talking about the issue because we've never had a woman in that position before. Switching gears one more time. I you know, last week obviously was I- extremely successful <laughs> by by all accounts. Um and that is also what well the president was in isolation. He is not any longer because he has tested negative for COVID nineteen, um, and traveled to Kentucky, um, as you said, to to meet people who had survived the flood flooding there. Um, but COVID um very much still an issue, um, as well as now monkeypox, which is officially as of Friday declared a national emergency by the Biden administration. Can you speak to what the administration is going to be doing in terms of planning, um, mitigation, potentially trying to set us up for a successful fall and winter, um, given the fact that officially we're in two pandemics? Um, If you go by the just textbook definitions um, of the word, but it feels to me like Congress has not passed the funding bill that we talked about many, many months ago um, yet. And we still need that in order to set ourselves up for success in the fall and winter. Um, can you speak to what we need that we don't have and and what the plans are going into the fall and winter to tackle both of these viruses, COVID-19 um, and also now monkeypox? Sure. Well, on the on the latter, we've made on COVID-19, we've made substantial progress. The president's vaccination campaign that began with an investment in the American Rescue Plan right after taking office, office uh, is has been successful. You know, the vast, vast majority of the country has gotten vaccinated. And we have the treatments now that have been rolled out, the testing capacity that's been rolled out so that uh, while COVID is endemic, it no longer has the same uh, it, it no longer has the same health risks that it had before the vaccines, before the treatments. And you, you saw that through the president. You know, he, he, he had COVID. He's doing better. But, you know, he worked throughout. And because of the treatments that we have in place, because he was va- fully vaccinated and boosted, uh, he was able to carry out his, his duties. Um, and so largely we've moved back to normal because of the action this administration has taken. On monkeypox, as you saw last week, the administration declared it a public health emergency so that we could accelerate, strengthen the, the comprehensive response that is in place. Earlier last week, the president appointed federal officials to oversee and coordinate the administration's response uh, to monkeypox. And HHS, Health and Human Services, is, is taking swift action to expand testing, to increase vaccinations, uh, to really do education in, in at-risk communities across the country. They've, they've uh, announced plans to allocate an additional 786,000 vaccine doses. Mm. So the administration, HHS, the White House is monitoring this closely and taking action to ensure that um, we contain this uh, swiftly and that we um, dedicate the resources that are necessary across the country. I mean, it's so um, much to process on a daily basis. I mean, I find myself just often sitting (laughs) in silence like, this is a lot. <laughs> there are two viruses now. Um, one I had really never even heard of before, monkeypox, and another one no one had heard of at all because it's brand new COVID, um, even though we're a few years into it now. In terms of the ability of the Biden administration to, I mean, even the jobs numbers last week um, surprised so many folks and, and how strong they were. How has 
the president been able to defy expectations? My first question to you was, how were you able to get the Inflation Reduction Act accomplished? But I think the Inflation Reduction Act is, number one, um, one piece of legislation in a line of others, American Rescue Plan infrastructure um, that you also mentioned. But I think it might be representative of the president's ability to, even with a 50-50 Senate where the vice president um, is the tie-breaking vote, the ability of this administration to still get things accomplished and pass through the Senate under those conditions. Um, how how has the president been able to navigate uh, the evenly split Senate? And what do you think it is about President Biden that allows him to, to actually get stuff done, even though the media basically says, like, he's failed like three weeks before he actually does the thing? Certainly. And, you know, it's a credit to the president, to his leadership, to his theory of the case, which is that despite polarization, uh, we can bring people together to get things done. And he's done that time and time again. He's going to be signing legislation to protect veterans later this week on burn pits. He brought Democrats and Republicans together on that. He brought Democrats and and Republicans together to to pass the bipartisan infrastructure law, historic investments in, in upgrading our nation's infrastructure. He brought Democrats and Republicans together on gun safety, first meaningful gun safety bill in decades. This is this is true to who he is. It's it's this was what he said he was going to do when he ran. It's what he's doing when he here in office. And you know, it, let's remember uh, President Johnson, who who passed several significant historic pieces of legislation, had sixty plus senators when he was in the White House. When I worked uh, for President Obama and then Vice President Biden. You know, we had at 60, 59 senators in the first couple of years. Uh, President Biden with a 50-50 Senate and Vice President Harris with a tie-breaking vote. By the way, she's cast more tie-breaking votes than any vice president since 1832. So she's traveling a lot to the, cap- to the Capitol because of the 50-50 split. In this context, against this backdrop, he's managed to get really big things done. And things that will lift families up, help kids address poverty, reduce pollution, grow the economy allow us to compete with China in the 21st century. That's what the CHIPS Act does today that he's signing into law. And it's a credit to the president. It's a credit to the vice president. This is what they ran on. This is uh, how they view governing that, you know, the sausage making might not be that appealing when folks are watching, but ultimately this is about getting things done for people. And that's exactly what uh, he has done and the vice president has done. I mean, it's it's, it's really unprecedented. I said at the beginning of the show today is an overused word and it feels like it has lost all meaning but this particular moment requires um leadership um because of the unprecedented nature of this particular moment um and it's important um to highlight the successes um and and the ongoing challenges as i um mentioned with monkeypox and covid um but it looks like um we have a governing administration <laughs> that is doing stuff we do um we do. What, imagine that <laughs> imagine that herbie ziskin it's always great to talk to you senior um, communications advisor to the vice president kamala harris thank you so much for taking the time today and for waking up this morning with us well i'm sure you were you're already up but thank you for taking the time this morning to join us and help us understand not just the benefits of the inflation reduction act but all of the things that the vice president has been doing recently um, especially since the Dobbs decision. It's been great to have you. As always, I want you to stay safe out there. 
Thanks, Erlina. Great to be with you. Thanks for listening to Mornings with Zerlina. Check in for new episodes every weekday.